Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, we're going to attempt to do something that we've never done on the show before, and that is stick to a hard cap deadline. Every time Chris and I, things come up and we're like, all right, this might have to be a certain amount of minutes. Like this episode is going to have to be 35 minutes because we got to go somewhere. But then we have a ball and we end up staying. And before you know, we got like a full hour long podcast. This time around, can't really let that happen. I was debating. Something came up at work today. News life, breaking news. Something happens. I kind of need all hands on deck. And this story is kind of big. I feel like it's going to be on like a true crime podcast or like it's going to have its own show in a couple of years. Uh, it's been it's pretty major in the Northeast. I've seen it trend on Twitter on multiple occasions. So it's pretty big. But today coming in, I was like, man, we might have to cancel the show. I have to go to the office early. But here we are because we don't want to leave you guys hanging. We're going to put together a shorter episode. We're going to try to go back to the mailbag next Tuesday, get back into the swing of things. But this one's going to have to be a little shorter than usual. Instead of a full hour, we're going to have to go maybe 25, 30 minutes. Chris and I are going to attempt to hit that mark. It's yet to happen. We've never come close to actually hitting the deadline we set for ourselves. We end up having too much fun. But, Chris, today we're going to have to limit the fun or at least condense all the fun into 25, 30 minutes. No, that makes me incredibly sad, Eugene. You know, we just can't shut up about our cats. and That's why we can never hit those deadlines. But, you know. We're here for you. Kind of have to talk about the other night because that, that was one heck of a game. That was one heck of a performance by our Cats. Probably the most complete game so far. And that came without one of our most valuable players being able to play due to an injury. That's exactly why I wanted to talk about the show. I was like, it's better to have something rather than just cancel it and leave people hanging because I definitely want to touch upon this game. It was a great performance for the Cats. We, we had everything. We had the typical slow starts. What was it, like 0 for 7, 0 for 8 to begin the game? Mm-hmm. We had inbounding problems, lots of inbounding problems. I held my breath on probably 75% of the inbounds. Yes. And then we also had a huge second-half performance, Classy Villanova. And then we also had lockdown defense of the star players, of the go-to guys on the opposing team with Mustafa Heron and LJ Figueroa not really being that big of a factor. And we saw Villanova – cruise its way to a 79 to 59 victory 20 point margin of victory Villanova really deserved this one no Jermaine Samuels which was obviously one of the things we were watching for what's the deal with his foot right after we got off the air on Tuesday it said that he was going to be a game time decision clearly he didn't play smart move rather rest up protect one of your more valuable players as you said he is definitely one of the most important players on this team rather rest him up you're going against St. John's and even though St. John's, I know their biggest record isn't hot. They've only beaten DePaul. But the way that Villanova was able to play without Samuels on the road at the Garden sometimes feels like our second home. Third home, I guess you could say, because we got the Wells Fargo Center and the Pavilion. And they just put together a great game on one of the biggest basketball stages in the world, Madison Square Garden. Huge game for Sadiq Bay, 23 points, five boards. Colin Gillespie with a double-double. 17 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. Jeremiah Robinson also had a double-double of his own with 13 points and 14 boards. And then you had Cole Swider and the starter to replace Jermaine Samuels, Justin Moore, chipping in 11 points apiece. Not too much production off the bench, but we did get to see Chris R.G. Diacono. We did get to see Brandon Slater get some time. We did get to see some Demir Cosby Roundtree. 
Brian Antoine still working on it, but he did have seven minutes, which is about six more than he usually gets. And on the St. John's side, with Mustafa Heron being a no-show with just three points, LJ Figueroa didn't really get going for the most part. He had 12 points, hit a couple threes, but wasn't anywhere near close to how he did against the Wildcats last year at the Garden. So with all that, they had Rasheem Dunn really step up, lead the way for the Red Storm with 24 points, 10 of 16 shooting, 3 of 5 from long range, 5 boards, 4 assists. He was having a solid game. Great game, honestly. Tip your hat off to him because he played great. And then not much else going on with the St. John's Red Storm. Chris, five different guys in double figures. Excellent defensive effort. Excellent effort on the boards. Just an overall, an all-around great showing by the Cats. And it definitely showed in that final score with a 20-point, nice, solid, comfortable margin of victory. Because of you got to see a little Chris Arch. Yeah, I guess when they're putting in Chris Arch, I guess it's always a good thing. This game really got rid of any doubts that we had from the Providence game, like, immediately. We were complaining about the rebounding effort against Providence and the inside effort, and that went completely away. And the rebounds were there. They didn't get dominated on the offensive glass. They only allowed seven for St. John's while they grabbed 10 of their own. Uh, JRE was obviously a very big part of that, grabbing 14 boards, as you mentioned earlier. Colin grabbing 13 total boards. Can't complain about anything. There's, there's nothing to complain about. It was such a great effort. Sadiq Bey was lightening up from beyond the arc, and he was getting his inside, which was very, very encouraging considering his little bit of a slump inside the three-point line of the past few games. And then Colin was hitting everything in sight. He was hit, shot 50% from the field. JRE was even hitting from outside, too. I mean, the three-pointers were falling for everybody, with the exception of Cole Swider. But he had a lot of open looks. It just wasn't falling for him. And he played pretty well inside, too. He was able to get four baskets inside the arc. And I'm pretty impressed with him. And also very proud of the fact that they put St. John's away. They never let St. John's ever sniff this game after, what, like the five-minute mark in the first half. It was a complete beatdown. And also very, very, very impressed with the defensive effort, obviously. As you mentioned earlier, Rasheem Dunn's the only guy who really did much of anything. I mean, LJ Figueroa got 12, but it was on 5 of 14 shooting a 2 of 8 from deep. And he's a killer three-point shooter. He did absolutely nothing. Mustafa Heron was a no-show. And the, the third highest scorer for uh, St. John's was a tie between Erlington and Champagne, and they both scored six. That's a fantastic defensive effort. You held St. John's under 60. Bravo all around. And you did this without Jermaine Samuels. And I thought the rebounding especially scared me the most without Jermaine Samuels against Providence. And the fact that they were able to go out there and just dominate across the board is pretty encouraging. Yeah, after giving up all the second chance points on Saturday, it looked like Nova was the one getting theirs on Tuesday with 16 second chance points off 10 offensive rebounds. Villanova did a great job on the glass, as we said. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was obviously fantastic, but Colin Gillespie, getting his hands dirty. No Jermaine Samuels. You're missing your co-captain, one of your key players. And I would have never guessed that when we had a deficiency in boards, it was going to come from your point guard. And not only that, it's a career high. After setting a career high against Providence, he comes back with a new career high, 13 boards. He was just excellent on Tuesday. Just awesome to watch. He really has, and he's he's blossomed into this player that we never would have expected in a million years. And there's sure there's a lot of season left, and I would love to have him keep this up. To see him become this right now is just absolutely amazing. You needed someone to step up this year big time, and in the past few weeks, Collins definitely done that. And if Samuels is going to be out for a prolonged period of time, he's going to have to step up even more, and he's doing that 
He's getting his hands dirty. He's dishing the ball. He's scoring. He's hitting everything in sight. It's uh, it's pretty fun to watch right now from him. Yeah, he looked like he was in complete control of the floor, and I just love the intensity that they brought. You know, he's great at distributing. He got his points, but he was also contributing on the glass, which is something you don't really see much from a point guard, especially from Gillespie this season. It hasn't really been known as a rebounder until the last couple of games, and I'm sure now opponents are going to know to box out and make sure he doesn't get to crash the boards a lot. But I, you know, one thing that's been so impressive about Gillespie, and I know after the game, a lot of national media guys and reporters, they're really applauding and giving Colin credit for being an unheralded guy coming out of high school, not really being well-recruited. What was it, like one-star, two-star, whatever it is. What I've been most impressed by Colin is not the fact that he was unheralded and didn't have great recruiting offers, that his recruitment was he was very under the radar, and now he's kind of like turning heads. What's been most impressive to me is the fact that each year, when you think you've found the ceiling of Colin Gillespie, he just takes it up another level, breaks the barrier and takes it to an even higher level. He started to win me over towards the second half of last year. I know that the first half of the sophomore season, we are like, is this really a point guard? But then when Phil Booth started to really take over the point guard roles and we saw Colin get his off the ball, the 30-point game against Georgetown comes to mind when Phil Booth was ice cold. That was when I'd say the turning point when Colin Gillespie started becoming a little more favorable in my eyes. But just this year, he's taken it to another level, even better play. Like just when you thought last year that Jay squeezed every single ounce of potential, every single ounce of skill from him, he's refined his game, played even better this year. It's great that he's getting credit from the national level, you know, John Rothstein, Andy Katz, all these guys tweeting about him. That's great. But just the way that he's been able to just elevate his play with each passing year has been fun. Can't wait to see what he brings next year. But so far, this guy's really stepped up. To me, just the way that he just continues to just get better and, and just grow is just so awesome. I think the thing that stuck out to me most against St. John's, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, was the fact that his energy that he brought on the court. He was running all over the place. Um, his hustle forced at least one or two steals. He finished with three on the night. And, you know, it's a very cliche thing and, you know, the grit and all that. And we like making fun of it. But it, it applies to him. And he really does everything well. <laughs> I hope he keeps it up. I really do. If he can put his performance in night in and night out, I mean, he's one of the top players in the Big East, if not the country. Like, it's, it's that impressive right now. Uh, I'm sure he'll, he might hit a little bit of a slump, but I'm sure he'll come right back with it because every time we think he's down, like you said, he comes right back and breaks through that ceiling again. So uh, I'm – just very happy to see him grow and develop into what a player he's become right now. Now, while Colin Gillespie's rising up, you got to think Sadiq Bey's growing an even higher profile, at least on the NBA radar. And that Tuesday game is really, really helping his case here. 23 points, 8 of 14, 5 of 9 from deep. He's been scoring. He can rebound. He's really started to catch a lot of momentum, I'd say, over the last month and a half more so than at any point of his career so far, his young career. Chris, uh, are you starting to get concerned that he might be an early departure? Uh, yeah, we're, it's looking like that. I mean, especially after Tuesday. I mean, he was just feasting inside. He had so many post moves and just got to the rim with such ease. It was, it was very, very impressive, impressive from a, a sophomore. Hope he keeps playing like this because this means Villanova is going to do obviously very well. 
but that probably does mean he's probably going to get some first-round grades, which will then mean he's gone. And that would be upsetting. But I would be very happy for him, and if that's the case, so be it. He deserves it. He's a hard worker. <laughs> he's killing it right now. Uh, he deserves every bit of it. So keep putting up these performances, and if he wants to leave at the end of the year and Villanova has a nice little tournament run, I'm all for it. Yeah, because Jeremiah Robinson, obviously, that's like the – like, he's been on the radar, but Sadiq Bey has really been booming. The stock has been up for Mr. Bay. Yeah, I mean, how many more gaudy performances does he have to put up points-wise for, you know, NBA scouts to really take notice? I mean, I'm sure they have. And he's going he's gonna to be getting first-round grades by the end of the year, assuming he doesn't fall off a cliff. Yeah, well, the way he's trending, it's inevitable, it feels like. It does. It does. But that means good things for Villanova then. That's the thing. It's a catch-22. It's like you want him to do well, obviously. You want the team to win. But at the same time, it probably means, all right, he's probably peacing. We should just stop broadcasting our games on TV and stop making highlights available online. <laughs> just, show the, just show the bad. Highlight, highlight tapes that just show uh, the lowlights, not the highlights. Not, not even. Just, just cut them out of all the highlight packages. <laughs> <laughs> just show them Pro- sitting on Propaganda the network. <laughs> Sadiq, stay, please. <laughs> so with the win, Nova is now 17-3. and 7-1 and one in Big East play. Second place right behind Seton Hall. And they got a game coming up on Saturday against the Creighton Blue Jays. Looks like we're starting to see every team twice now, and this will be the first rematch of the conference cycle. Since Nova went down to the CHI Health Center, the game will be coming back home. Last time out, it was not looking good. They were fresh off that Marquette loss. They were trailing for a majority of the game. But then they had a huge surge towards the end. Colin Gillespie was clutch coming down the stretch. And because of that, Nova was able to win 64-59 to on the road. Now they're going to be back in the comfort of their own home, which has got to be making people feel pretty good about this matchup. But Ken Palm is still predicting a close one, 75-70 to result with Nova as a 68% favorite to win. Chris, this Creighton team, right now they're 16-5. and They hit a couple of rough spots to begin Big East play, losing three of their first five games. But recently, they've been picking up some steam. They won three in a row, wins over Providence, a road game against DePaul, and then against Xavier. Kind of get themselves back up over 500 in Big East play. And now they're going up against Nova. Huge road game for them. What can we expect? Because what do you think are going to be the keys to this matchup on Saturday? Obviously, we've seen them before. We're very familiar we know about Tyshawn Alexander, excellent score. Marcus Zagorowski, he's a sniper if you let him go. Mitch Ballack can shoot it too with the best of them. Christian Bishop wasn't high on our scouting report, but he had a great game against Nova. What are you expecting from these Blue Jays this weekend? What I'm expecting is for them to have a much better shooting performance from beyond the arc. Uh, if you remember in that last game against Creighton, the Blue Jays shot 3 of 14 from deep. That's, uh, that's good for 21%, and that's, that's not good. Granted, granted, Villanova shot 6 of 33, which is 18%, which is significantly worse. So I do expect Creighton to go out and actually hit some shots this time. I mean, Tyshawn Alexander didn't hit a three. Zagorowski didn't hit a three, and they're both very good basketball players. Uh, Mitch Ballack only took two and only hit one of them. So I expect Creighton to go out there and bombs away. Like, they're going to have to hit from beyond the arc if they're going to win this game, especially on the road. But Villanova can counter and obviously shoot them up and uh, hopefully not sleep in the streets and don't replicate a six for 33 performance. But even with that six for 33 performance, they ended up winning 
that game against Creighton. You know, to your point about Creighton, I am expecting a much better offensive performance. I think that this is just such a high-powered offensive team that to completely shut them down once again is going to be pretty tough. And not that Nova did completely shut them down. It wasn't until the second half that they really started picking things up defensively because Nova was down by double digits. Like there, there was a point where I thought, like, okay, fresh off that Marquette loss, here we go again. We're going to get our butt kicked. But not only did Villanova pick it up defensively in the second half, much like how they did in, in that previous showdown with Marquette right before, but the offense also picked itself up, and they are able to score enough buckets, make the necessary plays to chip away at the Creighton lead, and then ultimately take over. And from there, they hung on for dear life, but they got the win. I think Creighton's going to come out guns blazing. I. I would like to think that Nova will at least be off to a better start. I don't know, because slow starts are, you know, it's just like three-point shooting, bad inbounds plays, second-half team, slow starts. It's like all part of this conglomerate that just is just required at this point. Just as long as Villanova is able to come off to a much better start, which I don't know how that will be, but you can't let Crane get out of hand again. I don't want to say that Nova was lucky, but, like, there's no reason to put yourself in a – massive hole early on especially against a high-powered team and you got to think percentage-wise this is one of the better three-point shooting teams around a top 10 offense according to Ken Palm you're not going to be able to get away with keeping them silent for 20 minutes at a time or 30 minutes at a time you can't let them explode to a huge lead I'd like to see Nova replicate a similar defensive performance against Zagorowski against Tyshawn Alexander because I was surprised that they were non-factors Christian Bishop Sure, I, I guess. I mean, you know, I'd rather him beat you than have them have a parade from deep, from the three-point line. I'd rather that. As would I, and I completely agree with you. There's just no way Creighton goes out there and lays a thud again from beyond the arc. And I'll eat my words if they do, and I'd be very happy if they do because that most likely would mean Villanova wins. But I, I severely doubt it. They have too many good shooters to just throw up a, a zero from Segarowski and Alexander again. That was uh, something to behold. But the only thing that makes me like not as worried about that is the fact that Villanova went 6-33 themselves that same game, and they still ended up winning. So I would have to think Villanova doesn't do that again either. So I, maybe it evens out, and I think it just plays out the same way. And then that's also the other thing, too, that you know needs to be acknowledged. Look at Villanova's shooting. During the Crane game, that was during their slump. That was when they were shooting like 15%. Now the three-point shooting is picked up. But not only that, the defensive effort has – it seems like it's only getting better and better. And you don't think that they've finally got it on defense. I think that that St. John's game, if you're late to the bus, that was like, all right, this team, they got it. They got it at least defensively. I think Villanova is at that point. They weren't at that point against Marquette, obviously, because they got scorched in the first half. And against Creighton, I wouldn't say they were there yet. But over this last couple of weeks or so, the defense has been fantastic. And it's shown in the seven-game winning streak that we're currently on. So, yes, you know, I don't expect Creighton to be silent, that high-powered offense. But I think Nova has got the chops now. I think they've got the experience. I think they've got the confidence. They got the swagger where I think, like, it's going to be okay. Now, I don't know about Jermaine Samuels' health, but we've seen this team win without him. And we've seen big-time performances from other guys stepping up. And I think we're going to see something similar on Saturday. We're going to be at home, which is great. It's not, you know, it's always great to be in your home floor, especially in the Big East. It's like a treat. Whenever you don't have to go on the road, that's that's a nice feeling. You already got one on the road. I think Nova should be able to pull it out on Saturday. 
will I expect an improved crane shooting performance? Yes. But I think Nova will have the firepower and also just a much better all-around game than they showed where they didn't really show up until the second half. I think that it's going to be a much better game, not as slow of a start. And I think Nova will be there every step of the way, all 40 minutes. So give me Cats by nine. I think I'm going to be right there with you. I see Cats by 10. 10 11. I'll go just slightly above. I think they pull away late. This is probably the toughest stretch of the year for Villanova in terms of talent they're facing. Creighton was ranked previously. They were highest 25th as a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, they're unranked now. But you have home against Creighton, then you've got to go on the road against Butler, and then you're home against Seton Hall and what might be the biggest game of the year, big, biggest, biggest game of the year. Then you're home against Marquette, who you already previously lost to. <laughs> then you've got three games on the road. It's it's just a very tough stretch right now, and you got to win the home games to at least hold serve in this Big East, and if you don't want Seton Hall to pull away. So this is a – I'm not saying it's a must win, but you should win this and take care of business and get ready for Butler. And hopefully this isn't a trap game where they're not looking forward to Butler and Seton Hall in that back-to-back. Hopefully they can go out there Saturday and, uh, you know, do what Villanova does at Wells Fargo and just take care of business, hit some shots, and uh, – and win by double digits. Yeah, and I know that Butler game on Wednesday is looking real tantalizing, and I know it's definitely going to be on everybody's minds. But I don't think this one will be a trap game just because of how the last meeting went where Nova got smacked in the mouth early. They had to dig themselves out of a hole, had a little run to make it close. Right then and there, you know, they were trailing, but they were right there, and eventually they had the key plays to get ahead, and then they had to hang on for dear life for that victory. It was an excellent game. At the CHI Health Center in Omaha, expecting a pretty good one here, but I think Nova will be in better control of the match the whole time this time, as opposed to being in an early deficit, not looking too hot, and just hoping for some late-game heroics. I think Nova's learned from that, and I don't expect this to be a trap game. I really hope that that's not the narrative that people will use for Saturday, because I, I don't think Jay's going to let them sleep like they slept the first time around. Nope, and I think we kind of mentioned it when we – uh, discussed that last great end game that, you know, lose the battle, win the war type thing where you might get, you know, you might get blitzed early on, but you'll learn from it. And for games like this, and you won't come out flat. So hopefully they, uh, that holds true. For those who can't make it on Saturday, this game will be on Fox Sports 1. 12 p.m. tip-off, early matinee. It's going to be at the Wells Fargo Center, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think this might actually be the first Creighton at Wells Fargo game since. Since you know, you know. No, don't bring it up. Don't mention it. I don't need. I don't need. I don't need to say it by name, but you know. Don't mention it. You're gonna jinx it. I mentioned it last time on the broadcast. I'm sitting there watching that St. John's game. Like, why the hell are we talking about this? (laughs) 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 Why? Why is this on? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for reminding all of us and giving us PTSD. No, we don't. We don't need to talk about this, Chris. Real quick before we sign off. Who's your key player to watch? Hmm. I'd probably go – well, depends on if Samuels is playing. If, if Samuels is out, I think Justin Moore is a big cog. I want to see how he responds defensively in a full-time role. Not that he hasn't yet this year, but I want to see how he reacts to that against a good shooting team, and I want to see if he's going to hit some shots. He didn't exactly have the best shooting game against St. John's. He made his living from the free throw line, which I'm proud of, but he's got to start hitting some shots from beyond the arc. And I think this is the game where he gets it done. If he's 
the starter, I think he goes out there and lights the world on fire. Riding the hot hand, riding the wave. Give me Captain Colin. All eyes on him again. Said he would be the guy to watch out for against St. John's. Sticking with him again for Saturday. Colin Gillespie. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the pod. Just look for View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Megaphone, whatever is your favorite podcast platform. Just look up View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation. It should show up. Please rate us five-star, 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 five-star. Helps keep the mothership happy, which is always nice. Please check back on the site. Check back, check often. Follow VU Hoops on social media. You can do so at VU Hoops. That's good for Twitter or Instagram. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. I'm still on social media, so follow Eugene, follow the pod, follow VU Hoops. Nova Nation, have a good weekend. Let's get this one on Saturday. Let's beat the Jays. Go Cats.